Welcome to the Church of the Living God Mount Sterling podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. For more information about our church, follow us on Facebook by searching for our page, Church of the Living God Mount Sterling. We would love to connect with you, pray with you, and hear what God is doing in your life. Now grab your Bibles and let's get into God's Word. Other than that, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Genesis chapter 2. This is Pentecost Sunday, but who knows Pentecost Air Day. And the way you spell that is E-R-R-Y-D-A-Y, Air Day, okay? Hallelujah. Did anybody watch the Facebook Live on Wednesday? Man, if you haven't, get into a safe place, put on your seatbelt, and cover yourself in kerosene and gasoline and get a match because you're going to be set on fire. Reverend and Pastor Daryl Hayden of High Street Christian Church was with me. There was times my desk was almost going to be like a karate board because he was slamming it. So I started slamming my hand on my desk too. But we talked about power, the essence of power in the church because it's Pentecost Sunday. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 5 says this. And every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. But there went up a mist from the earth, and it watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Amen? Today on this Pentecost Sunday, I'm going to preach a message called A Final Breath. All right? A Final Breath. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we elevate you, we exalt you, and we glorify you. Thank you for coming in and for stepping into this house with your presence, for manifesting your glory, for touching our hearts, Lord God. For looking over our sins and giving us grace and mercy. But then imparting unto us sonship and daughtership. We worship you and we honor you for that. Lord God, I thank you for your word, which is spirit, which is life, which is truth. And I ask, Lord God, as your servant, as I humble myself, I ask for the unction and the utterance of your Holy Spirit to boldly declare your word and your truth and that your people receive the utterance to not only hear it, but to walk it out and to demonstrate it. And we will give you the glory and the honor and the church shouted amen. The whole church shouted amen. All right, I love this because this is the very beginning. What's neat is there's, there's two times of creation where God begins to list the days, and I believe chapter 1, and then all of a sudden he begins to get into details into the next chapter where, where he goes into the detail of the creation of man. We were literally talking about this, my mom and I, with, with my grandma, about how, how these things work where from the, you know, we lay a body in the ground and the body becomes decayed or, or let's say people are cremated there's a lot of talk different times of the church where okay is cremation okay or, or is burial the way of God the way I look at it is we serve a God that can make anything out of nothing he is a good God 
If you think about the tragedies of 9-11, those people were in essence completely consumed by flames. I tell you, those who believe in Jesus, regardless of where they were at death, at the resurrection, the body will be reunited with the spirit. From the dust we came into the dust we shall return. But I want you to know there's a, there's a message that I've preached that's called the God who plays in the dirt. We have a God. Listen, this is Jehovah God that he, he spoke and it happened. There was nothing. It said, it said the earth was without form and it was void and darkness was on the faces of the deep. But it says the spirit hovered. Who knows we have a spirit on this Pentecost Sunday that he hovers over our formlessness and he hovers over our voidness and he hovers over our darkness. God is not afraid of your darkness. You know why? Because he is the essence of light. We think God is afraid of our sin. But we have a God who defeated sin. This is not a battle. The, the devil doesn't go back and forth with God like a boxing match. It doesn't go into round two. The devil and God, it doesn't go into round two. It doesn't go into the second minute of round one. Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. You know how lightning falls? Boom, it's gone. There was no battle. But we are flesh, and we battle sin. The Spirit is always at battle with the flesh. That's why Jesus became flesh, dwelling among us, so we can behold his glory for us to know that since he became flesh, we can become spirit. We serve a God that when he wants relationship, he comes down like this. And it says he formed him. I just see this vision of God forming us like this in the dust. And he forms man. But man was not alive until the Father breathed. And it means that God intimately got down on his knees. He formed man and grabbed a hold of man and went... He blew his breath into man. Breath in the Hebrew is a puff that is wind. It's angry. It's vital. It's breath. It's divine. It's inspiration. It's intellect. It's a blast. See, we think that God is this passive God. I want you to know that God is a passionate God. The Bible literally says that he goes, I am jealous over you. So when we leave God and go into sin or go into the arms of other lovers, when we do that, God is jealous. God is passionate about you. Jesus said, if there's any other way, I'll do it. But if not, God, I'll do it your way. The redemption of God from the dust. God wanted to redeem dust. Why? Because after he breathed the wind, it came alive. Church, are you alive? That was the first breath of God. Remember in Ezekiel, it says the whole army of dry bones, right? 
It says they all stood up, and it was, it was this massive army, but it says none of them were alive. And then the word of the Lord came, goes, son of man, prophesy. Prophesy unto the wind, unto the breath, that they may come alive. And when the breath of God came, the army was resurrected into life. It's a symbol of the resurrection of you and of me. A people who were dead. They were bones. They were dry. That's how we get into our church lives. We just come out of obligation and not out of passion, not out of intimacy. It's like reading the Bible. I don't read the Bible to get sermons. I read the Bible to know who he is. And through intimacy with him. Remember, it says it's the foolishness of preaching. To most of the world, I am a fool to be standing up here screaming and sweating, telling you about Jesus. It's foolishness. But to them that believe, to them that are being saved, it is all the life they need. We started with dust, and that's who we were until the master breathed in us. We're a desolate army. We are nothing without the breath of God. Now let's go to breath number two. John chapter 20, verse 21 says this. Then said Jesus to them again. This is the resurrected Jesus. Then said Jesus unto them again, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And he saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you merit or remit, they are remitted unto them. And whoever sins you retain, they are retained. The Spirit produces forgiveness. He breathed on them, received the Holy Spirit, and goes no, like this. Sin, boom, is broken. Because the ministers of salvation, if all we release is judgment, then it's not from his spirit. Because he breathed, says receive the spirit, and the first thing he says, he gets, whoever you remit the sins, they're remitted. Part of the walking of the spirit of the breath of God, it's to not look at people's sins and destroy them. It's to look at their sins and remember where you were. That his forgiveness reigned while you were in sin. But listen to this. Jesus breathed on him. If you remember Jesus, when, when he was talking to him in, the, in, the, in, in, the, in the, uh, the, the time of the Passover, in John's, what is it, John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, all those scriptures are during the Last Supper that he's communing with them. He's talking with them. Literally, at one point, he says, man, I haven't even opened the side page of this because you cannot even receive what I have to tell you. But when the Spirit comes, you'll be able to receive and he says now this is the spirit that you have not received this spirit but you will he, you don't you know of him but soon he will be in you when Jesus was on earth he talked with them he communed with them he led them he guided them he prayed with them he fasted with them but in essence he never breathed on them before the breath came, the resurrection had to come. 
Because Jesus wasn't going to breathe on them in a mortal body. He had to breathe on them with a resurrected body. Because the body on earth was about to hang on a tree and bleed and suffer and die. He wasn't going to breathe a body of death on them. He waited till he was alive. So when he breathed on them, he says, this is resurrection breath. This is breath that although you die, you still live. We asked for revivals and revivals and revivals. And what we should be praying for is the breath of God. Lord Jesus, breathe again. In your resurrection, breathe again. I'm all, I'm all about revival. I'm going to go to one Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night. But when I go, I'm asking for the breath of God. And we've had the breath of God. Okay? Jesus breathed on them. He walked with them for three years. That's what they consider because of the Passovers in the Gospel of John. There's three Passovers in the Gospel of John. So that's how we coordinate that Jesus' ministry was in the span of three years. Started at 30. But that whole time he talked to them about the Holy Spirit. He led them about the Holy Spirit. He says, oh, a time is coming where rivers of living water shall burst forth inside you and pour out unto everlasting life. And this he spoke of the Spirit. But when he resurrected, he goes, I ain't going to talk to you about it. I'm going to give him to you. And he breathed. Now listen to this. The Greek word used in the New Testament is the very same word translated out of Genesis 2-7 from the Septuagint. So the, the Septuagint is, is, the, is the, the Old Testament in Greek, okay? It's the Greek translations because the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and some Aramaic, and then the majority of the New Testament was written in Greek. So the Septuagint is the Greek writers because, once again, Greek, it, it was, it was the uh, intellectual, so they had the ability to translate the Gospels, okay? So they went back and translated. This is the same thing. It has, that breathe, Jesus breathed on them, is never again mentioned in the New Testament. It's never again. There, man's original creation was completed by this act of God. When we fail to see that here in John, on the day of the Savior's resurrection, the new creation had begun. It had begun by the head of the new creation, the last Adam acting as the quickening spirit. The first Adam received the breath and fell, but the second Adam was raised from the dead. Sin has been defeated, church. Why? Because Jesus has breathed on us. And he said, receive, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Church, we need to be a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to walk in the community filled with the Holy Spirit. If you need peace, you don't pray for peace, pray for the Spirit. Because peace is a fruit of the Spirit. We ask for peace, we ask for, for, for meekness, we ask for all these things, joy, love, all of it, the children's song, it doesn't matter. We need more spirit. 
We've got churches that deny the Holy Spirit, not knowing that in 1 Corinthians 12, 3, it says you can't confess Jesus as Lord without the Holy Spirit. Well, it's all about Jesus. You don't know Jesus without the Spirit. Jesus said it's more important that the Spirit comes and that I leave. Why? Because when he breathed the Spirit, we all have the Spirit. In the same essence, it's what we talk about with the apostolic. The Holy Spirit is an apostolic spirit because he goes, I shall go unto the Father, and the Father shall send the Spirit. Apostle literally means one whom is sent. So the Spirit of God acts in all of us, just like all of us aren't apostles, but all of us should walk in the apostolic. Because Hebrews 31, Jesus says, the, high, the apostle and high priest, high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. We should all walk in an apostolic way. Because the apostolic is the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is the way the church should walk. The way the church should walk is how Jesus walked. But we need the breath of God. Acts chapter 2. So Jesus came and he breathed. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. I love this. When the day of Pentecost was fully come. God don't do things halfway. He ain't never done a half work. There's a prophetic word that I've heard actually several times that the Lord literally said to people. He said, you're asking me where the harvest is, but I tell you that the seed has died in the ground and has begun to sprout, but it hasn't shot through the ground yet. You think the seed was void, and I'm telling you, no, I needed it to die. Jesus says, unless a seed dies in the ground, it will never produce anything. The seed must die and be broken open for the sprout to come forth. And we're praying for the things of the Spirit, but not asking for the breath of God. When the, Spirit, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. My God, if we, if we can get the body of Christ as united as the kingdoms of darkness, there is no telling what will happen on the earth. You know what will happen? The second coming. Do you know you can speed up the rapture? You can speed up the second coming? People are like, that's, that's not true. Yeah, you can. It's called, it's called get, up, get your butt out your church pew and go preach the gospel. Bring the harvest in. It says he is waiting for the harvest. So if the church quits playing games, if we quit competing with each other, on who has the biggest building, who has the biggest crowd, who has the nicest knot on their tie, and we start getting into the ground where God is in the dust, playing in the dirt, and start reaping the harvest. Guess what? He'll come. I'm not waiting for the rapture. I'm trying to speed this thing up. That's why I'm here for you. If you want to learn to preach, if you want to learn how to evangelize, honey, we have got you. I'll even drive you to the corner. I'll even park my car and then join you on the corner. Because I've been on the corner preaching the gospel. We need to get into the place where we're in one accord. When Jesus said a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand, he was talking to the church. 
They say, you, you're casting out devils by Beelzebub. He goes, do what? Why would Satan cast out Satan? Only church people cast each other out. Only church people are griping. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. He goes, that's why Satan won't cast out Satan. So Satan comes up in the church, and he has church people do it. With gossip, with backbiting. And we wonder why, why this political thing is in an upheaval. Because we've trusted in government, forgetting that the government should be trusting in us. We should have local leaders calling on to us. Praise God, I've got local leaders that call into me for prayer. Why? Because we're sowing into the city. I took the first step. Why? Because Jesus always takes the first step. He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. If we can get in one accord, everything can change. Everything can change. What happens when you're in one accord? You get an end suddenly. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What I call the end suddenly is those Elijahs. Right? You're reading through 1 Kings 1, 5, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Then all of a sudden 17 goes, boosh. First verse, and Elijah the Tishbite. I'm going, what does that mean? Where's a Tish, what's a Tishbite? First thing it says is, and Elijah the Tishbite prayed that it would not rain, and it didn't rain. He came out of nowhere. You know what? There's people in this city that the reason we planted is to dig them out of the trenches of hell and make an end suddenly. You know how that comes? It comes with a Pentecost. I'm not talking about Pentecostals. I'm not talking about denomination. I'm, t- I'm talking about 50 Pentecost. Where the fire of God fell. I'm talking about the thing that goes oh, that is so great, much greater than religion. It's so much greater than church. I'm talking about real relationship with Jesus by the only one who can bring it, by the Holy Spirit of God. That's the only way we can come to know Jesus is by the Spirit of God. And we're asking for more church. We're asking for more revival. But yet we're waiting for the breath of God. That's what we need. Suddenly, the breath came. There came a sound from heaven as of what? A rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the house. And they that were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire. As like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Listen to me. You can get into a place where God breathes on you, and I wanna, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you, English ain't enough. He goes beyond who you are. In that passage, listen to me, denomination does this. See, they spoke in tongues. That's what denomination does. The kingdom says this. The Spirit was poured out. 
Denomination looks at the gift, but the kingdom looks at the king. The kingdom looks at what was sent, not at what manifested. So we've got to get our eyes off of the manifestation and only on the spirit. Because the spirit itself will bring manifestation. I don't need to seek the gift. I just seek him and he opens every gift to me. And then he teaches me. He trains me. He matures me. And then 1 Corinthians 14.1 comes into play that I seek after love. I desire spiritual gifts and especially that I will prophesy. Because prophecy is a form of the breath of God. Listen to this. Wind. It's respiration. It's a, it's a wind. It's a breath. We, church, we need, we need for God to breathe on us. I desperately, desperately, desperately need the wind of God to be breathed into me. I can't do this by myself. It doesn't matter how much I read the word. I need his spirit. I need his breath inside of me or else I will be a preacher. That's a bag of dry bones. We've got preachers all over this land preaching a dead gospel to a bunch of dead people. Why? Because we don't have the breath upon it. We have the dust that is formed. We have the army that is standing, but no breath. No breath. My mother is an RN, and she says one of the, one of the most difficult things she has ever seen is somebody dying of emphysema. Where, where their lungs aren't, aren't facilitating the oxygen. What do they say? It's like breathing out of a straw. She said it's one of the most tormenting things to see. And you see that that's what the enemy tries to do. The enemy tries to grab you by your neck. He tries to stop the oxygen so you can't breathe. Why? Because breath is life. We need the Spirit's breath. We, we say it's all about Jesus, but then we deny his Spirit. We deny his breath when his whole purpose was to come and to breathe and say, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And we walk around as spirit-filled Pentecostals, but we lack the breath of God. Because we've become so selfish at receiving the breath that we're not breathing the spirit into other people. We're not speaking life into nobody. Listen, I'll deal with sin all day long. I'll deal with sin. Listen, here's a revelation. Sin is bad. Okay? Can we agree? But when I was in sin, this is just my experience. When I was in sin, when people repeatedly told me I was in sin, I always rejected them. But when people told me that God has something good, I said, what do you mean? Apostle Bumpus, I'm going to bring him down. He's the one I do prison ministry with. He says this guy was preaching, said that Jesus will forgive your sins. He goes, I didn't care. He said, Jesus will, will give you new life. He said, I don't care. And then the guy goes, and he'll work a miracle in your case. He goes, what do you say? He said, what do you say? He literally said he got up and got a little bit closer. Because when you're in death and people tell you that you're in death, death is your life. But when you're in death, and somebody breathes to you about life? Romans 2, 4 says it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. 
Do we have to deal with sin? Yes, absolutely. If you're battling sin or if you're in sin, come and talk to me because we've got an answer for that. But it's the breath of God. It's that wind that comes. It's everything that we need. It's everything that we want. Acts 2.17, Peter declared, And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now in Joel 2.28, it says, And afterwards I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So real quick, let's go to Joel chapter 1. I'm preaching a message called the final breath. So right here, in Genesis 2, the Father breathed, right? In John 20, the Son breathed, right? Breathed, receive you the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit breathed, all right? So the Father has breathed, the Son has breathed, the Spirit has breathed. Go to Joel chapter 1, verse 3 says this. Tell ye your children of it. Let your children tell their children and their children another generation. Verse 4. That which the palmer worm hath left, the locust will eat. That which the locust has left, the cankerworm will eat. That which the cankerworm has left, the caterpillar has eaten. This is called a devouring. This is called that nothing is left. That one army comes and destroys. Whatever is left, the next army comes. Whatever is left, the next army. And over and over and over, everything is destroyed. Everything is consumed. You know what this is called? Right there, it's called CNN, Fox News, and whatever other garbage you want to watch. Consume, 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 consume. Destruction, 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 right? That's all we hear. So then we have preachers saying, well, the, it's, it's like the gospel isn't working. Wrong. People don't want to talk about the gospel. Do you know that not one news station came and talked about Nisha getting healed of stage four cancer? Nobody. But you know who does know? You and me. You know who's going to know? Mount Sterling. Because we're going to put that pretty thing in the middle of the city. Telling everybody what happened. Doctor's reports. She met with the doctor. The doctor says, I'm sorry. Chemo and radiation didn't work. But don't you tell me he can't do it. She was healed instantly. Her family thought she was crazy. Don't lie, y'all thought she was crazy. She was in the foreground, I'm telling you, something happened. Something happened. Something happened. What happened? The breath of God happened. The breath happened. The apostle was here that day. I was praying with her. I said, apostle, come here. Come pray with her. He laid hands. He started speaking things into her body, and he had no clue who she was. And she looked at me and said, something happened. And like I said, she walked back. Why? Because there's another breath that's coming, church. 
there's a final breath that is coming. So you have all these things, the destruction, everything that has happened. It's like 2020 all over again. Then all of a sudden you come to Joel chapter 2. Verse 15 says this. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. You know what he said? Let's, 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 let's get united. Let's come together. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. Assemble the elders. Gather the children. Listen to this. Those that suck the breasts, let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and let the bride out of her closet. God says, listen, bring every generation in my house. Bring the littlest one, bring the oldest one. I want everybody to see this. Well, Patrick, they're five years old. They got saved. That's not right. They're getting baptized at five. I've said it a thousand times and I'll say it a million more. The devil will take your kids at any age. The devil does not care their age. He'll take them. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let the babies come to me. There's, there's gospel scripture that he took babies in his hands and he blessed them. While the apostles were saying, shoo, shoo, shoo. Shoo, shoo, shoo. And Jesus looked at them and went, no, you, shoo, shoo, shoo. Bring kids to the house of God. Let them feel his presence. Put them on the drums if they've got giftings. He started out just playing two things. Now the boy's going, why? Because the spirit breathes. Call them. Call, call the elders. Call the ones that are nursing. Call the children. Call them all. Let the priest, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. And let them say, spare the people, O Lord. Give not thine heritage to reproach. Let the heathen, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should we say among the people, where is their God? You know what he's saying? He's saying instead of the church coming against the government or, or bellying up and, and propagating their own stuff with the government, you stand aside and repent. He asked the ministers to repent. Not to show up at the Republican convention. I got nothing against the Republican Party. I got nothing against the Democratic Party. What I got is when the church is not the church. And we're trying to mingle in with everything else. He says, come out of that. He said, come into my house. He says, come here and repent. You know what happens when that happens? Verse 25. And I will restore unto you the years that the locust hath eaten, the cankerworm, and the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, the great army which I sent among you. God says, everything that they have destroyed, I shall replenish unto you. Then it comes to Joel 2.28. And afterwards, afterwards, I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh. You know what's going to be the best Best part about the final breath of God is ministries that are caught in religion. That when the drug addict and the alcoholics and those covered up in sin, the spirit is poured upon them and they begin to preach greater than them. Boy, when the sinner come, becomes free, when the sinner receives the breath of God and the ministers get aggravated, that's when I get excited. 
when they got track marks in their arms and they start preaching that gospel and the power of God starts flowing and the breath of God starts breathing, that's when I go, the harvest is near. Afterwards, Peter says, in the last days, saith God. Peter was talking about the last days of Jerusalem. In that time, Joel was talking about us. I'm telling you, the Father breathed in Genesis. The Jesus breathed on the apostles in John 20. The Spirit breathed in Acts 2. But there will be a final breath upon the earth where the Trinity shall breathe. And you know who he's breathing on? You and me. He's breathing on everybody. Everybody will have a chance to hear this. The gospel of Jesus Christ is what brings the restoration. Last verse, Acts chapter 3. And you shall see, and, they, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto us. Verse 21. Whom the heavens must receive until the times of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets ever since the world began. Restitution is a simple word. Reconstitution. Isn't it funny that its constitution is up in it? Because believe it or not, I don't live my life for the American Constitution. I'm sorry. I still carry a gun. It it doesn't matter. I live my life for the restitution of the earth. I live my life for the gospel. I'm living my entire life for that final breath. And I'm calling you to call for that breath. I'm asking you to call out, say, God, breathe on the earth. We need you to breathe upon the earth and breathe upon your church. The church needs to be breathed upon because we're tired. We're losing hope. The offerings aren't the same, so we're minimizing the gospel to let people in, not knowing it's the preaching of the gospel that leads to salvation. We're trying to buddy up with sin to get them in the door. When it's the gospel that transforms them. We need the final breath upon the earth. And it will only come when the church gathers every generation into the house and begins to truly repent. Begins to truly repent. Stand with me.